Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. We will, of course, be discussing details from previous episodes, but there will be no spoilers for future episodes of either show. Just like Xander, I'm strange and off-putting, and my name is Harrison. And falling for those dark and penetrating eyes, I'm Jason. Now, Harrison, I know you like... This is normally when we do the, like, oh, what episode are we watching? Mm-hmm. But would, would you indulge me if I did something? I had a feeling this. I actually, like, I knew there was going to be some bit here. And yes, I will indulge you. Will you let me do the bit? I will. All right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, fighting for the home team, we have the blonde bombshell, the Sunnydale Slayer, the one chosen unto her generation. Give it up for Buffy Summers! And, and in the visiting corner, the pale protector, the choker from Bram Stoker, Count Vlad Dracula! Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! I knew that was going to be the bit, too. (laughs) (laughs) We're really on each other's wavelengths. Harrison, what episode are we watching today? Um, that's going to be some fun, uh, fun, uh, <laughs> Sorry about sound that. correction. Blew up your whole sound. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, we are, well, you may have gathered, uh, listeners. We are watching season five. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. Episode one, Buffy versus Dracula. Um, you may be gathered from the title if you didn't watch the episode. This is the one where Dracula shows up in Sunnydale and uh, despite that kind of high concept uh, idea, it's actually largely a more goofy con- episode. It's goofy, but also contemplative. Like, yeah. there's, you know, there's a, it's very, um, it has yeah. surprising depth. It does. It, um, it, 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 uh, is a very confident episode and I'll, we'll talk about it more, but yeah, Dracula shows up in Sunnydale and, uh, puts Xander and Buffy under his thrall uh, and Joyce, but that was off screen. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh. Uh, Buffy vs. Dracula was written by Marty Noxon and directed by David Solomon and originally aired on September 26th in the year 2000. All right. Uh, Jason, since you uh, provided our lovely liquor today, will you tell our, our beautiful listeners what we're, what we're drinking today? Well, Harrison, uh, we do live in Kentucky, the Lando Bourbon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I went to the liquor store after a rough day at work, uh, I picked up a wonderful bottle of Basil Hayden's mm-hmm. straight bourbon, which uh, was on sale. So that was awesome. But, uh, yeah, Harrison, would you like to lead us in a toast? I will. Um, here's to being in season five of Buffy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but I love season five so much and I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, this is our reward for doing season four. <laughs> Lord. Oh, nice. 
That is smooth. Yeah. Um, Basil Hayden's a really good bourbon. And it's like... Is it basil or basil? I think it's basil. I've always said basil, but... I mean, like... I, I mean, growing up with a great mouse detective as your favorite <laughs> as your favorite Disney movie, like if I see that, it's like, oh, it's Basil, unless it's the herb. <laughs> uh, I've always had Basil Hayden, but I could be wrong. I'm uh, open to being wrong. But it's um, it's like a good. It's, it's not a cheap bourbon, like you know, but it's not. It was in this case. Um, yeah, you got it on sale, which is nice. But it's also not an outrageously expensive. Like, it's on the cheaper side for, like, nicer bourbons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still really good. Like, this is a go-to, like, wedding present that we'll give people. If they're, like, our friend Mason, who got married, um, we got him a bottle of this. Because um, it's just a good one. Um, Congrats, Mason. Yeah. So, Buffy versus Dracula. Well, season five. I want to start this by just kind of briefly explaining why i love season five so much um i feel like i don't need to go to bat for seasons two and three because they're pretty reputation precedes themselves yeah and i feel like season five doesn't get that as much i don't think it's like a disliked season um it's almost forgotten which is strange because so much stuff happens in it yeah it's i think the issue is i mean for a lot of fans um, the high point of Buffy is the high school years. Um, and, um, the post high school years are more contentious, uh, fan opinion of them. Um, season six, obviously being probably the most controversial, but, um, I just, yeah, I, I just, I think season five is an, such a strong season i think it's um nearly perfect um i i have a couple things i don't love about it um that we'll talk about when we get to them but i do think overall it's consistently the strongest um i don't think you you don't have any go fish there are no go fish i actually and listen i and you know, I will be kind of paying attention to this, but and I may change my mind, but I don't think there's any episode of this season that I think is bad. I think there are some that are more on the just okay side, but I, I'd i be shocked if I gave any episode this season less than three stars. Okay. Um, you know, that little asterisk, I reserve the right to change my mind about that. Um, but I also just think this the arc of the season is really interesting. I... Uh, I think the my favorite seasons of Buffy's of Buffy are typically the ones where Buffy Buffy's arc overall revolves around some sort of interpersonal relationship because I think that's where Buffy the show is at its strongest is in the interpersonal relationships. Um, season two is obviously Buffy and Angel. Season three is Buffy and Faith. This season though is Buffy and Buffy and Giles and Buffy and Giles absolutely. And this season is Buffy and some other characters, but I think the most important relationship in this season. Is Buffy and herself. And that, yeah. I think that's a well, big part of why given, it's my favorite. Given like uh, how even in this episode they're talking about the effects of the of the spell to summon, um, what's her name? Sinea. Sinea. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say Zendaya. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> um, yeah, their spell to summon Sinea is uh, 
that's going to be like a huge thing going forward. It was a huge thing in this episode. Yeah. Which kind of like is one of the things that gives it that season premiere. Uh, I feel like um, a lot of the other season premieres are kind of uh, like, you know, fairly large fanfare, whether it be Mm -hmm. like destroying the bones of the master or, you know, running away and going to a hell dimension. Yeah. But yeah. Or starting college. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is... Yeah, this is a pretty low-key affair for a premiere, but it also is, like, really setting up a a foundation for this season, Mm -hmm. particularly in those, you you know, you mentioned there were um, a lot of the theme, most of the major themes of this season are laid out here in this premiere. And a lot of those were kind of hinted at in Restless. Restless. Um, Dracula even repeats... Dream Terra's line, which is haven't yet begun. Awesome. We've only just begun <laughs> to live. Um, I also just like that this, you know, we don't get a uh, we're in we're in spooky season right now. It's October. We don't have a Halloween episode this year. Um, but I mean, we got Dracula. But, but this is yeah. This feels like it's our. Uh, it, it it kind of fills in for our Halloween episode that we don't get. Um. So yeah, let's. Uh, dive right the dick in. Whoa. Um, yeah. So... I forgot how gay we made this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I will make it gayer. <laughs> we will be... That's my goal. Gayer all the time. This podcast will be 69% gayer by the end of it. Nice. <laughs> uh, so we open up on Buffy. Um, unable to sleep. Um, probably because there's a giant boring... One piece was, of cardboard next to her. One would say she's restless. She's a bit restless. <laughs> um, and uh, it, yeah, this is a cool opening. We just—it's really simple. Buffy can't sleep. She gets up, gets dressed, goes out, kills a vampire, and then comes back and gets back into her pajamas and back in bed. And she got a smile on her face. Uh, yeah, and she's like pretty pretty happy about it. And I think that's a that's a great place to start your season. It's like, this is where Buffy is right now. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, then we have our opening credits, which now include our girl, Emma Caulfield, playing <laughs> Anya. Um, not Tara yet. But not Tara. Oh, okay. eh, be patient, guys. Be patient. It'll happen. Um, but Anya's there. Anya's and, there. And uh, we've got, uh, you know, I, I always enjoy starting a new season. Not just when new cast members get added, which is fun, but just like the updated, updating which clips they use. It's really funny because uh, I've been watching uh, Vampire Diaries uh, since I came back from, uh, since I came back from Covington. Uh, guys, I actually got to go and see locations where they filmed the Vampire Diaries, and that was pretty damn awesome. It's like... A place that so many movies and TV shows were filmed, and yet the one that, like, is the most prominent that people still go and visit is Vampire Diaries. Uh, But yeah, like, there's... It's very much like a lot of your CW shows now. It only has just, like, oh, the Vampire Diaries, and then, like, a little graphic where, like, uh, this ribbon of blood uh, wraps wraps around the title. So I'm not... You don't get a lot of new, um, yeah, a lot of new uh, openings. But 
they did have a Christmas episode that I watched recently, and instead of a drop of blood falling from the V, it was a snowflake. Aw, cute. Yeah, we are kind of like the era of like this sort of opening credits. Not you know, we still get them from time to time. Uh Orange is the New Black had a pretty extended opening credit sequence. Um I like Game the, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I like the um I like the leftovers uh with season two. Yes, yeah. That was fantastic. Definitely one of the better ones. Um but even all of those great extended openings, but they don't include cast photos or, mm-hmm. or clips um that's even that's becoming more rare um if you do want it i'm trying to think you of, know what i it, can't think of one that you know what i'm a i'm a huge fan of i love the um i guess the first place i saw it was maybe daredevil but uh, i love those um kind of slow motion slow motion uh not like not exactly stills from the show mm-hmm. but uh like um, kind of thematic imagery. Yeah, yeah, the imagery representing the representing the show, mm-hmm. uh, Daredevil, Westworld. Um, actually, like I think a lot of the Marvel uh, Netflix shows had it. A lot uh, of Netflix shows in general. Yeah, I think, I think I, and I'm down with that. I actually, yeah. uh, I think Daredevil's was really, really well received, uh-huh. and Netflix was like, ah. <laughs> I, I yeah, I recently started watching The Haunting of Hill House, and mm-hmm. that has that, and I'm like, yeah, you know. That uh, that opening is gonna get me every mm-hmm. time because it's so cool. Haunting of Bly Manor has a uh, a similar structured opening that's really cool and very very haunting. Um, okay, as is appropriate for a show about hauntings. Um, but uh, we are l- let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Uh, um, the gang's at the beach having a fun beach day. Yeah, that's cute. It's fun how like it's so well known that they live in california on the coast and uh now we're now we're seeing them go to the beach i mean i think the only other time we've seen them go to the beach is in the aforementioned go fish (laughs) i don't think we've ever seen them go to the beach and never in like this sort of like it's a sunny happy day let's go to the beach let's um, go get away stay stay what's gonna say um, Buffy and Riley are playing with a football, which Buffy, uh, slays. Um, not after knocking Riley's ass out with it. Good. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Guys, you know I didn't like Riley last season. Well, my patience with him in this season mm-hmm. is already gone. Yeah. Yeah. He very much has the whole... What little purpose your purpose, your purpose has been served, yo. Um, uh... They, uh, Sandra's trying to get the grill started and can't do it. Uh, so I do love, I do love their whole speech about, uh, guys, I think we'd narrow down why we're the sidekicks. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to expend any effort. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Willow ignites it. Um, and, uh, it's a pretty impressive, uh, uh, I feel like that's the most, up to this point, like, the most casual use of, like, really powerful magic we've seen from Willow. Yeah, because it doesn't seem to take a lot of effort and just massive flames. Yeah. And then rain. And then rain, which Willow insists she did not do. Um, And uh, we get 
we get a cut from that to two men delivering a large uh, crate filled with dirt. Oh, this sounds familiar. Mm. I wonder where that crate came from. So I'm going to... I think you've read Dracula more recently than I have. Um, it was a couple of years ago for a book club. Okay. I haven't read it probably in 10 years. So some of the things I was like, okay. Th- I that might be the most surprising book that I've read multiple times. Cause I believe I've read it at least three times. And quite frankly, I haven't really liked it any <laughs> of the times that I've yeah. read it. It just keeps coming back. Yeah. I'm going to need you to help me remember some of the lore. Okay. If I forget. So I do know he can't. When he travels, he has to take the dirt from his, his homeland. homeland with him. Mm-hmm. And what about the rain? There's something with the rain, right? Like he... That I don't remember. Okay. Um, it doesn't really stick out. Uh, but, yeah, there are, throughout this episode, there are a lot of obvious references to Dracula. Yeah. Um, his ability to take mist form, his ability to... Uh, turn into a bat, and uh, obviously, and the, wolf. and the wolf. Yes, he's able to shape shift, and uh, and Xander is very much Renfield, <laughs> and all the way down to the eaten bugs, and uh, Buffy is um, for the for like her initial rea- uh, her initial encounters with Dracula is very much Lucy. Yeah. Lucy Western, Westernra, Western, Western, Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, also kind of tastes like a Mina Harker uh, vibe as well. But mm-hmm. I feel like most of it is reference to the Lucy yeah. when she's under the thrall. Yeah. Although I would say she more takes on like the, I mean, who is it who actually kills Jack? Is it Jonathan Harker who kills um, her or is it Van Helsing? I don't think it's Van Helsing. Um, maybe it's like that American, because like, uh, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, there are lots of um, there's th- there's like three guys that are in love with that are in love with Lucy. There's too many, it, and it makes it. There's difficult. three guys that are in love with Lucy plus Jonathan Harker right. plus Van Helsing. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's it's those three guys should have been one guy. I know it was the Mer- it was the American who died at the end. Okay, uh, so. Maybe he wasn't the one. Maybe it was Jonathan Harker. Okay. You know what? I'll I'll look it up while you uh, continue with well, the episode. I while you're looking up, I will say I did. Um, By the way, spoilers for a very old book. Yeah. <laughs> um, we went and saw uh, Actors Theater's production of Dracula a couple years ago. I still haven't done that. Where? But... Um, well, in this production, so for listeners who aren't from around where we are, um, Actors Theater is a local professional theater. Um, and they do Dracula every year. It's their annual Halloween show. It's their big money maker. Um, okay, I was right. Um, so it, Quincy was the name of the guy, okay. the American who um, who was one of the three guys lusting after Lucy. Uh, by the way, Lucy's last name was. Oh yeah, so Lucy was was Stenra. Okay, um, and. John Seward, Quincy Morris, and Arthur Holmwood okay. were all lusting after Lucy. Um, and yes, they did not need to be three <laughs> separate male characters. Um, but yeah, uh, Jonathan Jonathan Harker actually slashes Dracula's neck and Quincy stabs him in the heart. 
but he's mortally wounded from fighting, I believe is... Oh, yeah. The men that were carrying Dracula's box. Okay. And uh, Quincy dies, but Jonathan and Mina have a son seven years later, and they name him Quincy for gotcha. for him. So, um, a couple of years ago at Actors Theater, um, in, in the novel and in most adaptations, the men go off to fight Dracula and Mina gets left behind. Um, in, to be put in danger with uh, Dracula. Yeah. In uh, this adaptation that they did, um, which I think they wrote, I think it was just one that I think they write their own, um, they actually had... Jonathan Harker being like super like injured really badly and like has to be left behind and Mina goes with the men and she's actually the one who delivers the killing blow and it ruled it was awesome um yeah that that's cool because I wouldn't have minded that honestly I have so little I don't it, it comes across saying that I I don't think Dracula itself is a bad novel. It just... I feel like it... Wow, I, I, I <laughs> guess I don't have the words for this that aren't... Like, this is terrible. But, uh... I, I just don't like it very much. I feel, <laughs> yeah, I feel that its reputation precedes it way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think both Dracula and Frankenstein... Though Frankenstein, I love that novel. Yeah. I recently listened to the audiobook of it read by uh read by a dude from legion wow uh, dan stevens dan stevens yes Hot. uh yeah no it was <laughs> it was <laughs> but uh yeah i those novels are so old and everybody knows the story that uh you know when it comes to stage versions and newer adaptations i welcome new takes on yeah. it but they need to be good takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, there are so many adaptations and versions. Yeah, you, you should be doing something new, like trying something new, because it's already been done. With Dracula, I just think I like I recognize its influence and why it's a really important book. It's just not one that I like very much. That being said, with Frankenstein, I would actually love a three-hour-long movie. Honestly, all I was thinking of while I was listening to the book. Because uh, normally I do it when I'm either uh, like walking around my neighborhood or mowing the lawn. Um, was how could I adapt this? And like I just want a straight up adaptation yeah. of Frankenstein because I believe it is a an amazing story as it is, and I don't think anybody's ever done a well. There's the... n- haven't been any successful straight up adaptations of mm-hmm. it. They, actually nail why it's such a good book the closest i can think of is the 94 version with kenneth branagh and robert de niro yeah which is fine it's a it's an okay movie but it and, but it does have issues and it uh towards the end takes a lot of liberties with the original source yeah like material. i say man just but keep the source material the way that it is i i think you've got a fantastic uh I think you've got a fantastic movie right there. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll adapt it. Do it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Giles and Willow are scanning books because that went so great the last time. <laughs> um, but uh, our Giles does... It's okay. We're in the 2000s, so yeah. everything's fine. They checked to make sure there weren't any demons. We're, at, we're at a Y2K, so... Yeah. <laughs> or we're, we, we conquered Y2K. Yeah. 
um, Willow made sure that her laptop was not connected to the internet. So if a demon gets in there, it's just stuck in that one laptop. Do you remember Y2K? I... What do you what do you mean by do I remember it? Do like, you remember how much people freaked out about it? Um, I know you were fairly young. I, I mean, was, I was young at the time. I was in uh, yeah, I was in fourth grade, I believe. Mm. Or no, excuse me, I was in third grade. No, that's not right. Don't tell me what you. <laughs> well, you're older than I am, and I yeah. was in third grade. Well, I remember because I was eight. Okay, um, and I was ten. So yeah, it would have been fourth grade for me. Or third or fourth grade. I you know what? Ten to me is fifth grade, but I'm also a summer baby. So. I remember yeah, I remember the Bush uh, election, the first Bush election happening, and I thought it was in fourth grade, but then again it might have been fifth grade. I don't know, like I vaguely uh, remember I, it. I do remember I do remember not understanding why people were freaking out, but I yes. do remember people freaking out. Everybody, like, Y2K was what everybody was talking about. Yeah. No, that's exactly how it was. It was like, I remember people talking about it, but I didn't understand what it was. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were freaking out because they thought that with uh, the years changing from, you know, 1990-whatever, uh, since... All computer programs Nine. have been made in the 90s at the time. They thought that when the dates flipped over into the year 2000, all the computers were going to fail and we would be thrown into a dark age. The idea... I guess this really just shows how little people understood what computers were. <laughs> because basically, that's people going not understanding that computers know that the number that comes after 1,999 is 2,000. Like... Um, what, what, did they think that there was some sort of little flip thing inside the computer? A little gnome flipping I mean, it? That I wouldn't be surprised. We're, we're talking about the year 2000 where I feel that most people didn't really know what was going on in computers. I feel I like... I mean, yeah, just I did, a couple years before the episode I, Robot Eugene was made. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Uh, Alright, sorry about all, all the know. interruptions and all the tangents. <laughs> We're back, baby! Yeah! Um, but yeah, they're scanning books um, uh, so that they have them all archived. And apparently Giles has been kind of doing, having them do these sort of projects all summer. Um, Willow's sick of his shit. Um, and that's when he confesses... She refuses to make a rubber band Yes, ball. he'll just have to get a light. But that's when he tells her um, that he's planning on going back to England. Uh, he feels like uh, Buffy in particular, but really the entire gang just don't need him anymore. Which, considering Season four his, did the, set up, set yeah, that up. Um, I, and I think that is a... I don't know if they wrote season four, that arc in, for him in season four with kind of this intention. But I do like that it takes what this episode is taking that what came before and building upon it mm -hmm. um and i i think this is a very confident premiere for the show um and what i think is a very confident season for the show and i think a lot of that comes from i, I think they i think they did some self-reflection between the two seasons and went you know that wasn't our best and um stepped it up a notch i think uh 
I think a big thing about season four is that it focused a little too much on the transition Mm -hmm. from high school to college. And, uh, and I feel like we got a little bit away from what Buffy was all about. I'm not saying that it wasn't there. Yeah. I'm saying that it wasn't as present as it was during seasons two and three. Mm Uh, but yeah, this season really gets us back into, you know, college is not going to be the main modus operandi for a lot of our a lot of our characters right. um or the lack of college uh they are going to be focused on what happens in this season yeah no you're absolutely right and in high school they had the luxury of all of the characters being in high school and or working at the high school and or dating a minor at that high school um so it you could organically let that be the focus and I, they clearly discovered that that didn't work as well in college and i, I do like uh, willow's reaction she doesn't want giles no, to leave because i mean leave. yeah um and i think this is giles underestimating hit it, it seems like he's almost forgotten all of the like what he should have permanently learned in season three <laughs> that you are more than just a resource and a mentor to these to these young people you are you are family yeah and it's um it's so interesting you say that because throughout the episode willow is making all these overtures to him to try to convince him to stay but they're all of those are related to him as like a resource yeah like which it makes sense because that's what he told her was kind of the the reason so it makes sense that that's but what ultimately convinces him to say stay is Buffy needs him as an emotional support as she decides to kind of go on this self uh, just, uh, journey of self-discovery uh, relating to the roots of the Slayer. Mm-hmm. So it's still related to like that more, but it's her plea to him is less about him being her watcher and more about being there for her. Right. Um, Cause she tells him he, she's scared. Um, so I, I love all of that. Um, we get a really sweet scene um, between Buffy and Joyce. They're having dinner together, and um, we. Th- this is another thing, sort of paying off some of that stuff that was kind of alluded to in season four of Buffy. Joyce saying, you know, as Buffy's about to go back to school, that she's. Uh, she liked having Buffy around, and the house is really quiet when she's there all by herself. I know and you I... were talking about like uh, how this season is a relationship between Buffy and herself, but I also think that uh, mm-hmm. the relationship between Buffy and Joyce also becomes, uh, yeah. also takes a, I'm not going to say center stage, but definitely becomes one of the more important relationships in this season. It's probably, this season is definitely, I think, the most that that relationship has been explored i think Mm -hmm. season three is probably end of season two beginning uh, of season three yeah like that transition there but yeah this season is it's definitely a big a major part of it yeah um um, and hey guys if you can call your mom like yeah well call your mom if you can't uh see her but i know that uh my family tries to do a weekly dinner um if we can there are sometimes when it doesn't work out but it's very 
rare that it doesn't work out. Typically, it's on Sundays. Lately, it's been on Wednesdays. Uh, but yeah, like you know, go see go see your mom and dad if yeah. you can. If you can, uh, yeah. And if you or can't, your, then... or your closest equivalent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't re <laughs> recognize what are the most important bonds in your life whether they be familial or friends that are pretty much familial and Um, yeah i mean don't don't lose those bonds jason's my dad he's my daddy (laughs) i will take on the responsibility of being your father (laughs) (laughs) wow that was grosser than what i said somehow (laughs) all right um then i'm impressed um that's what daddy's here for (laughs) Um, Buffy, we, we get another instance of this kind of like Buffy being, um, much more active in, um, her patrolling or hunting as it's later described, um, which I think is a really accurate, um, and interesting way to describe it. Um, Joyce tries to get her to hang out with her a bit more and Buffy's like, oh, I have to go do this. It's such a drag. And it's just immediate cut to her beating the shit out of this vampire with a huge grin on her face. Um, and I think she likes it. I, <laughs> I, while I do enjoy, and this is, I mean, part of what this episode is talking about, I, while I enjoy that Buffy's kind of, has gotten away from uh, being the Slayer such a burden, um, it is it's slightly troubling to see her inch a little closer to maybe faith territory. She's nowhere near it, but like, um, and clearly she has the emotional maturity that until recently faith did not have to kind of recognize that Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, and question it. But you know, this is all like the pregame because now we're on to the main event. Here comes Dracula. And, okay, so, I guess, it, I had I had questions just about how, in this world, everybody seems, while all of the Dracula media exists, and also Interview with a Vampire, yeah. uh, as, we've, <laughs> as we've also established, so, that media exists, the books, the movies exist, but nobody really blinks an eye at... Dracula being real. And that that threw me for a little <laughs> bit because I mean obviously if Dracula if I met Dracula and he turned out to be real, one, I'd be like, oh my gosh, so vampires exist. Uh magic that can make vampires the way that they are exist. Obviously, some form of Christianity is validated because so much of Dracula is like uses a lot of Christian imagery. Uh, so if, if these demons exist that are susceptible to crosses and holy water, then that means that, uh, that means that, you know, hey, God exists. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So basically what you're saying is if you met Dracula, your entire worldview has to shift dramatically. It really would. But (laughs) hey. That's fair. But hey, if I'm presented with evidence that changes my worldview with hard evidence such as you know seeing dracula and him doing dracula stuff right in front of me i would shift my worldview because i base my worldview on the established facts very scully of you 
Well, you know, I I try to. I like that. Don't yeah. you know? You know, I'm a Scully girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it it just threw me for a loop that nobody. Like, everybody thought, like, oh, you're really Dracula? And not, holy shit, Dracula's real? <laughs> I mean, I guess when you've been doing this for five years, you just roll with it. <laughs> I guess so. And, and it seems like uh, like both Anya and Spike had previous encounters with Dracula. So maybe it's just an accepted thing that Dracula is real yeah. in this world. Despite the fact that the media also exists. I like... I like um, there's a. Have you seen the movie? Um, it's the one about. Uh, oh man, I can't remember who it was. John Malkovich. John Malkovich is the director of Nosferatu, and he is okay. I recently watched this with uh, my friend. Um, but yeah, John Malkovich plays the director of Nosferatu, and uh, um, and it's revealed. That he's trying to make the ultimate vampire movie, and he does this by making a deal with Count Orlock, who is actually a real okay. vampire. He's played by Willem Dafoe. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Malkovich, uh, Nosferatu movie? Um, Shadow of the Vampire. Okay. So yeah, it frames it as. Oh, everybody thinks that John Malkovich is just, like, putting in every resource that he has into making, like, an amazing castle and as a set and putting, like, the best makeup on this guy. And they aren't aware that he's actually a vampire. Nice. And so Nosferatu is being filmed with an actual vampire. So, it's it's a fun movie. It okay. really is. Is it, like, a comedy or is it... Um, it has some serious parts, but it also has, like, a moment when uh, Willem Dafoe, as Count Orlock, uh, looks at a picture of a woman and says, Her breasts are fantastic! <laughs> right. So, it, I think um, it, it very much is, like, a fun meta film. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Um, so, yeah, Dracula shows up. He's, like... I know who you are. And she's like, oh my god, really? Yeah, but he's <laughs> so enamored that she is famous around the world. And um, uh, Willow and Xander also arrive, and they all... Uh, and Xander arrives in possibly the worst thing that he's ever worn. It's pretty bad. It's, it, it is an orange... It is a tacky orange Hawaiian shirt with sequins. Yep. It's got sequins, and it doesn't go with any of the dark clothes that he's wearing... Or I think he's wearing white pants, maybe? I don't even remember. I couldn't take it, my eyes off of the horrible, horrible Yeah, shirt. like, we've talked about putting Willow in jail. Xander should be in jail for this shirt. Yes. I mean, Xander should be in jail for a lot of things. But, <laughs> but this shirt <laughs> is the primary reason this week. Yeah. Ugh. God um, damn it. Z- uh, Dracula turns into a bat! <laughs> flies away. Um, <laughs> Bubby yells, bat! Bat! <laughs> Uh, don't you, doesn't she know that that's how, what you yell to transform into the bat? <laughs> bat! <laughs> um, I would love it if that was in a Dracula movie. I, uh, so, oh, do you know, uh, do you not watch What We Do in the Shadows? I've only seen the movie, I haven't oh, seen the TV show. Okay, so the, I, that's, okay, I, I must have known that then, because I thought, okay, um, that's a recurring joke that 
when the characters turn into a bat, that's how they do it, by yelling <laughs> the word bat. I've um, been meaning to watch it. Um, I, I, I've had a very love-hate relationship with Taika Waititi, uh, but um, What We Do in the Shadows is great, Jojo Rabbit was great, so I am... I actually prefer the show to the movie. Okay. Um, it's, I thought the movie was uh, fairly great. I, cause, oh, I like the movie a lot. I just think that the show has more room to breathe and like yeah. explore the world of this. Um, also, here, uh, really Mark funny. Hamill's in it, and he's hilarious. He's, yeah, he has a guest star in a season two episode All right. um, as um, like a rival vampire. Bat! <laughs> um, there's also an episode with this like... Um, vampiric council and there's oh yeah um, i heard about that and it's like Tilda all these Swinton actors that played and, vampires in previous yeah. things like isn't evan rachel wood? evan rachel wood Tilda Swinton no no excuse me rachel um wood. not evan rachel wood uh what's her face um from true blood uh anna paquin anna paquin yes i don't think she is evan rachel wood definitely oh is. she is okay um, what was she i don't vampire in? remember i don't remember if uh if Anna Paquin was uh, Tilda Swinton and uh, Evan Rachel Wood are the okay. only ones that I recall, but yeah, it's a bunch of very famous actors. Um, let's see, who are Evan famous for playing vampires? Rachel Wood. Okay, so I I type Evan Rachel Wood, and one of the options is True Blood. Was um, she in True Blood? Which episodes of? Because I know Anna I never, Paquin. Anna Paquin she's was the star. The star. Yeah. Um, she was a recurring. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood was a recurring character uh, in the second, third, and fourth seasons. Okay. Um, I've never actually seen True Blood. I watched the first couple episodes and it wasn't really for me. Yeah, that's um, very much the same situation I had. I think <laughs> I got the. Fir- I watched the first disc. Of the first season, because I got it from Netflix ah. in the mail. Watched those episodes, and I just, I wasn't, I, I wanted to be into it, because it was like, it was ticking a lot of boxes for me, but just, uh, just of course, didn't. I don't know how much authority I have now that I'm like, uh, four seasons, like, uh, four seasons deep into Vampire Diaries. No, it's, you know, different strokes. Yeah. Um, so we go back to Giles's, where the uh, Willow and Buffy cannot stop talking about how cool Dracula was, uh, and even Tara's a little worried. And Tara's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anya's like, oh no, he's cool. I, uh, we used to hang out. Um, and uh, Riley's playing the macho man. Oh my god, he's such a bitch. In an episode where Xander is literally a man bitch. He's just... He, oh, I should have known that... Yeah. Well, um, no, he doesn't pull the I should have known because of Angel thing shit until later, but... The... Yeah, he's he's very much worried about Buffy. And I get, like, being worried about Buffy, but don't tell her to not do her job. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's really makes me mad is when... So basically, they're like, okay... Dracula is really powerful. He's got all these powers that most vampires don't. I think the only time we've ever seen another vampire do anything sort of similar was Drusilla when she kind of like puts people into trances. Um, so we should learn more. And like, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to take the fight to Dracula until we know what we're dealing with. And 
Riley's like, no, we're going to kill him right now. And I, I, like, I'd be on Riley's side if Buffy was doing that. Because sometimes Buffy does have a tendency to be very gung-ho, like, no, I'm going to go stab it. And if she were doing that, and Riley were being like, actually, I think we should take the foot off the gas. Um, but that's not what's happening here. It's, yeah. in fact, literally the exact opposite. <laughs> and it's just like, it, it doesn't... Yeah, and he just, like, and he makes this shitty comment when Buffy puts her foot down and is like, no, we're gonna, like, do the research, figure this out. He's like, well, the initiative could figure it out way quicker. And I'm like... Initiative's gone, buddy. Yeah. Season four's over. No, they probably fucking couldn't. I mean, those dipshits couldn't even figure out that they were, like... (laughs) They had Adam inside of the facility. Right? So, uh, yeah, he's just just being so obnoxious, and I, I can't deal with it. And it's not even like a... This is a bit of an obnoxious episode for Riley. It, yeah. And, uh, I just... Well, <laughs> there were so many grunts <laughs> in what you just did. It's just not... It's not even like that it's... Interesting conflict between the two of them. I'm, I'm all about conflict between the characters. Conflict between the characters leads to some of the best scenes and episodes of the show. But this is just... I mean, this is one of those things I'm going to just flat out say. This season has no idea what to do with Riley. And it's obvious. Yeah, and... he was he was birthed out of the initiative storyline. And mm-hmm. he really doesn't move beyond that. Yeah. A little I... mild spoiler, but... It's <sighs> it's a big problem. Uh, and it's, you know, it's... it's exactly, we, we talked about last season. You know, shackling his character to the initiative really limits what you can do with him. Um, so, uh, unless you're going to keep the initiative around, which we, we didn't. We didn't. Um, so, yeah, he's just being a real dick. Uh, throughout this, Willow's like, we could never figure this out without Giles. Giles, I wish you were there. Oh, Yeah, no. laying it on a little thick, Willow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Xander and Anya are walking home and... They're being stalked by Dracula and wolf form. Dracula and wolf form. And Anya's like, do you think he remembers me? He said this guy cursed was, like, doomed forever. And I thought that was really sweet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think one of the biggest losses in this episode is that we don't get to see Anya interact with Dracula. Yeah, or Spike. The two characters who know him actually have no screen time with it, which... I mean, there's you're the other stuff's more important. Yeah, unfortunately. But, yeah, but. Xander's mad, jealous, and uh, you know what else is new. Right. Uh, but then he, uh, as he's walking on his own, Dracula appears before him, and he he has this dude. You're going up against the most famous vampire in the world, and you think you can beat him in a in fisticuffs. <sighs> First of all, stop saying. First of all, stop saying fisticuffs because it doesn't work for you. It's not funny. You're not like, oh, he's an old term and he's charming. (laughs) You're not. You're not charming. (laughs) I mean, as Dracula puts it, you're strange and off-putting. And off-putting. But he'll make for a good. He'll make for a good mind slave. Yep. And uh, and Zayder immediately just is like. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever, man. Yep. Yes, master. <laughs> yes, master. Oh, gosh. On the subject of, I just I just thought of this on the subject of, like, Anya and Dracula. If this show were made, like, now, 
we wouldn't get that scene in the episode, but we get like a like a webisode or like a, <laughs> a little like a little bonus short of like Anya and Dracula catching up. <laughs> I would not mind an animated episode like a could be like a ten minute YouTube animation. Mm-hmm. And Emma Caulfield and uh, the guy who plays Dracula come back for it. Just Rudolph just the... Martin. Yeah. Who, incidentally, um, was on um, All My Children? Is that the one that Sarah Michelle Gellar was on? Not a clue. Um, I think it was All My Children. Whichever uh, soap, opera. soap opera that Sarah Michelle Gellar was on when she was young. I think it's All My Children. Um, he was also on... The show at the same time, and I think their characters were actually like linked yeah. in some way. So you wonder maybe uh, maybe if SMG re- uh, recommended him for the part. Maybe that'd be cool to find out. I didn't see anything about that on the on the page for the show yeah. for the episode, but um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Xander's Dracula's bitch now, and um, bitch Riley uh, goes to Spike uh, and. Is this, uh, a, is this the only Spike scene? It is. Okay. Yep, our only Spike scene. Uh, you know, it's here because... I, no, it does serve a purpose. We get a little bit more exposition about Dracula, you know, his... Uh, his All of his uh, 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 powers fame, or... Fame grabbing and stuff. Yeah. And how that's the reason that people know how to kill vampires. Yep. Love it. Yeah, that is that that's good meta humor right there. Yeah. All of his like powers are uh essentially just like little flashy tricks that he learned from the Romani. Um not what Spike says because no one's ever gonna say it. But um Yeah, it's a fun scene and it leads to this week's gay agenda. Okay. Uh the gay agenda this week is the just the pure sexual energy flowing uh between riley and spike especially when they get like right up in each other's faces and they're like you can tell they're both like should we fight or should we fuck i i think Uh, that might be in your head no uh... it's not listen you can't you can't tell me how to interpret art that's true that's true but uh (laughs) from a reasonable perspective uh i think um I think Riley is uh, too traditional to want to try that. And I think Spike, however, I will say about Spike, I will say that maybe he'd try it once, but he wouldn't like it. Or he would lie about liking it. I, okay. I'm going to counter you. Okay. I'm going to agree with you on some of those points. Yes. Little cornbread Riley. He's going to feel it. But More like you gotta... cornhole Riley. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, no, Spike's definitely still the bottom in this situation. Spike's a bottom. Spike <laughs> is a bottom. Even when he's with Drew, he's a bottom. Drew is into pegging. Um, that's canon, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I... <laughs> Just knocked my glasses off. Oh, boy. Listener's pleasure. I, I, I don't know. I think Spike, uh... I don't think Spike uh, would say no to it, uh, but I think that uh, even if he did like it, he wouldn't say he did. 
Okay. I think it's a pride thing. Okay. I yeah. But he definitely is the bottom. <laughs> Riley's never gonna bottom. He's he, Riley is a total toxic top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. Toxic top. Uh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I can totally understand what it is, <laughs> and it makes sense. I've just never heard that wording. So Riley, toxic top. when they're finished, Riley like looks at Spike and just goes, "You're just a hole to me." Ooh. Yeah. Huh. I'd turn to Spike and I'd be like, "You're my hole." <laughs> All right. Uh, this is that taking was, a turn a, for the predictable. That was a very <laughs> gay agenda. Uh, season five, baby! <laughs> uh, Willow's openly gay now! Yeah. Um, Dracula mists his way into Buffy's bedroom. Uh, that's cool. A really nice shot of the mist, like, And this is in the really window. when the Lucy... The Lucy Buffy mm-hmm. parallel is there because yeah. it, it's very much. It doesn't seem that Buffy has any control, uh, and um, she's Dracula's, trying her damnedest. Dracula's is doing his whole thing. He does. Uh, he does point out that Buffy has been tasted before because <laughs> the scar from when Angel had to drink from her in. Uh, Graduation day. Graduation day. I almost said, "What's my line?" <laughs> uh, in graduation day, part one, part two, part two, part two. Because yeah. part one ends with her knifing fate, knifing fate in the gut. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's um, plan B. <laughs> so interesting that uh, of all the Slayer strength and healing that she has, she still has a scar from that. Yeah, I've always. She has a scar from that when it's relevant to the episode. But, um, but yes, I think that's, I do think that's a, a cool little touch. Um, I don't know if they thought anything more past it other than we need a visual indicator mm-hmm. about this thing. But yes, um, I don't think we see Buffy ever scar um, mm-hmm. with, with other injuries that she gets. Um, so, but it, that makes sense in a magical way to me that like it's a, not necessarily a magical injury, but like a magically adjacent injury. Um, and um, it might there might be some kind of psychological block in there mm. because that is kind of her last intimate moment with Angel. Well, that she knows of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that didn't get erased. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, he drinks it, her. Yeah, he drinks her right from that spot too. And by the way, Vlad. Calm down on saying that Angel isn't worthy. <laughs> Angel's doing pretty well with his nine yeah. o'clock time slot. <laughs> um, I'll have some other thoughts later about the number of mentions Angel gets in this episode. Um, it has to do with the castle, and I'll get we'll get there. And Riley. Um, uh, yeah. The next morning, Buffy's looking in the mirror. She's got little little puncture marks on her neck. Uh, which she hides with a very cute scarf. <laughs> I'm totally into the scarf, even if she was not hiding a vampire bite from Dracula. Like, Riley needs to stop being an asshole. I mean, yes, he is technically right about it, but, like, it's a cute scarf. Um, uh, wow, the wiki's done it. While munching on donuts, the gang discusses their plan of attack. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it's not wrong. And that... Z- Xander's kind of obsessed with uh, donuts, and also of talking about uh, you know the dark master, Bader, <laughs> and the evil prince, Bader. 
Uh, I love how nobody even cares that Riley, or excuse me, that Xander is completely under Dracula's spell. I think just nobody cares about Xander. I think, yeah, they're just like, Xander's being so weird. Like, <laughs> what else, what is, else new? is new? Um, I do love that Buffy, like, it's, uh, it's a jelly donut. Um, and Buffy's, like, visibly disgusted by, like, the blood-looking jelly, like, dripping yeah. from it. I like that detail. Um, and they're, you know, they're just kind of discussing what they're going to do. Riley explains to them what they learned, um, that, what he learned from Spike. Um, the big thing is he's not going to hole up in some sort of crappy crypt or something. He likes castles and mansions. Yep. And, uh, Riley's yelling at her and... You're under his thrall, blah, blah, blah. No, no, I believe what he technically says is like in the mo- in the lamest voice possible, which actually is for comedic effect, but I, wow, you're actually under the thrall of the Dark Prince. <laughs> oh, man. I-, I have to say that delivery is pretty funny, so good on Mark Lucas for that. Um, he forces her to remove the scarf and everyone's like, oh, no, um... And he, this is where Xander Riley says some shitty, that shitty line about like, well, I should have known after Angel, like, of course this was going to happen. It's like, yeah, that's, shut up, man. Dude, it's not great. Um, But Buffy explains that like, yeah, she was like, couldn't really control it. Uh, And like, she didn't even want to hide it from the gang, but like. It was kind of compelled to hide it. Um, and uh, also, um, Xander's eating bugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, love it. <laughs> and uh, so they decide that uh, uh, Buffy's going to go to Xander's to kind of lay low. Um and Riley then, uh, and Giles are going to go scope out possible hiding places. Interesting team up. Um, and Tara and Willow are going to go uh, put the uh, put a protection on the Summer's house. <laughs> because and... guess how Dracula actually got into the house. <laughs> yeah. Joyce thought that he was such a nice man. Um, and, you know, sometimes... She thinks that maybe she should just swear off men altogether. Oh, to which uh, Tara and Willow just... Between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, Runner-up gay agenda. <laughs> um, I do... I, I think it's so funny how Joyce is like, I don't know like what came over me. I like I would never do this, but... Well, I am lonely. And like, <laughs> and it's like, girl, something so hard on yourself. He literally like did some magic mind powers on you. Like, girl. <laughs> Joyce doesn't know that. She doesn't. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we're at, uh, we're at, uh, Xander's basement. Yes. <laughs> My favorite Anya moment of the episode. Anya's pissed that she didn't get to go help find Dracula. Um. And Xander doesn't really care because, again, he's in the thrall. Yeah. And he just <laughs> grabs her. Yeah. Pushes her into the closet and locks the door. He, he, he like he puts a he blocks it with a uh, with a chair, yeah. and it's so funny because that's the last 
That's the last you see of Anya in the episode. It's so casual too. It's like it's it's very like the the way it's blocked and uh, how uh, Nicholas Brendan and Emma Caulfield play it is just really good. It's so smooth. It happens so quickly that like she's in the closet before you even realize like what's happened. And then he, and Buffy just like doesn't even acknowledge. It. I think, it, and I think the the reason that it's so funny is because typically Xander would have some kind of sarcastic remark or just flat out be like, "Yeah, sure, honey, you're right." But this time he just he's he doesn't care. He just grabs yeah. her and throws her into yep. the closet. And then he turns to Buffy and he's like, "I have to take you to my master." It's this whole thing where I get to be immortal. Are you cool with that? She's like, "Yeah, take me." He's uh, the <laughs> lamest mind slave Dracula ever. Pretty efficient, though. He gets the job done. <laughs> he does. So, I mean, I, maybe maybe he has no style, but... But yes, we go to a castle in Sunnydale. Okay. I do like the la- lampshade hanging that Giles and Riley are both like, never noticed this huge castle here before. Um, I would argue, though, and I know they wanted like a castle set so that it's you know, aping, aping that. But this would have been a great place for the return of Angel's Mansion. Um, mm. Especially with all the references to Angel in this episode. Yeah. And the comparisons between Angel and Dracula um, that characters are making. I I think that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but that's not what they had in mind, so it's fine. And I think this is like... I th- this is another thing that I chalk up to just kind of the goofier aspects of it. Because I think that while, and especially in this next scene, we get kind of the best reasons as to why this is a, why this episode has depth, I think overall, this episode's just kind of goofy. It is. It, it's, it's such a wacky premise. It's like, oh, hey, what if Buffy faced Dracula... And everybody was like, oh, wow, Dracula. Yeah. Cool. So, actually, that's that's funny you mentioned that. So, the behind-the-scenes story of how this came to be was they knew that they wanted... It was going to be Buffy kind of, like, against a vampire. Um, who, Why not make it the like, vampire? Who would, like, help... Like, she'd be working through some of these, these questions that she's working through in this episode and, like, the darkness and blah, blah, blah. Um, not blah blah blah. It's actually very significant and important, but we'll get to that. Um, but Marty Noxon kept being like, when she was kind of pitching it, and they were working on it, being be like, you know, it's this mysterious vampire. You know, I kind of want it to be like Dracula. You know, kind of that vibe, like Dracula. And she kept saying it till finally, I, someone I assume Joss was like. Why not just be Dracula? Why not Dracula? Like, if, I mean, like is that cool? Can we do that? We're making the comparison. Dracula's in the public domain. <laughs> like, why not? Like, it's it's clearly where the like our headspace is. So let's just embrace it. And I really appreciate that this episode does just embrace it and like have fun with it. Also, random side note: uh, something that just occurred to me. Um, I've been watching so so much Vampire Diaries in which. Vampires having the ability to compel uh, humans is such a huge part of it, and that's not exactly a huge part of Buffy. Right. Um, until this episode, because they talk about Dracula's power of compulsion. So I was just like, 
oh yeah that's <laughs> that's that that's cool i'm just it's gotten so ingrained in my head from vampire yeah. diaries well and it is a pretty standard vampire power it's really buffy is kind of the outlier that doesn't utilize it outside of drusilla and dracula that being said maybe vampi- only vampires whose names begin with dr can use that power that being say um uh, that being said uh vampire diaries does ditch a lot of the um holy water and crosses uh That's interesting. yeah when elena's asking stefan about all this stuff she's like what about uh what about crosses and he's like decorational <laughs> holy water I uh, can get things really wet, but that's about it. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, I also just suddenly, when I made my dumb DR joke, I was like, oh yeah, Dr. Acula. All um, <laughs> uh, right. Um, Buffy go is alone with Dracula, and she's like, ha, psych, bitch, this was a trap. I'm here to kill you, motherfucker. He's and like, he's put like, down the stake. And she just goes, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I do like that Buffy's able to um, resist. Um, speaking of the Marvel telev- Netflix shows, uh, some of this reminded me uh, a bit of the dynamic between Jessica Jones and Kilgrave. Ah, yes. Um, particularly the fact that after Buffy successfully breaks the his control over him, or over her, he can't do it again. Which is mm-hmm. one of the plot points is that Jessica's immune to yeah. his powers because she successfully fought it off once. Um, so I thought that was... I. Obviously, I don't think that was... I don't think they were, when writing Jessica Jones, were like, remember that episode of Buffy? But I just... You never know. Okay, I mean, but, uh, those writers. Yeah, I, this is the scene where we really kind of get into the actual thematic importance yeah. of the episode, and that is uh, Dracula seems to know that there's a darker origin to the Slayer powers mm-hmm. that Buffy is unaware of. Um, and he does mention how uh, she's a killer, and uh, that's when Buff says, like, oh, well, you know, I prefer Slayer. Killer makes me sound like a tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, she says, like, it's something like like a tattoo clowns. Oh, yeah. And I was like, is that like a Juggalos reference? Or is that, is there some, it feels like that's a very specific reference that I don't understand. I could see, like, a big kind of, like, typical, you know, tattoo parlor guy with, like, a do-rag and leather sleeveless vest just <laughs> being like uh named killer you know a hell's angel looking kind of guy yeah there's nothing in the uh nothing is, in the it, pop culture references it is a strange reference but uh but yeah and these are all doubts that buffy's been kind of having which she shares with giles later in the episode buffy's starting to wonder about all of this and what that means for her um and then yeah then dracula repeats the you don't even know line which is such a great moment um should we talk about some hot babes (laughs) oh the wives of dracula uh uh giles opens a door and falls into a pit room and three sexy ladies 
start ripping his shirt off. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop. No, please don't do that. <laughs> um, also, Riley punches out Xander. <laughs> and, um... Uh, oh, and... Riley rescues Giles. I forgot everyone's name for a moment. Um... <laughs> Riley rescues Giles from this, uh, from the, the wives of Dracula and Giles literally is like, oh, oh no, my shoe, I have to go back for it. (laughs) Okay. So, Dracula makes Buffy drink his blood. I, what do you make of this? Well, going to reference Vampire Diaries okay. again. Um, in Vampire Diaries, in order to become a vampire, you have to um, have vampire blood in your system. So you had to have uh, drank it or been injected with it or something like that. Yeah. Then you have to die. And when you wake up with vampire blood in your system, you're in transition. So you can either feed and become a vampire or... Or you can choose to not feed and just die for for keeps. Okay. So it's a similar to the Buffy version, but with some yeah. with some differences. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, at this point, um, and I think well because Dracula does say, Oh, you've never um you don't know what we fight for, which mm-hmm. is, you know, drink blood. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what vampires are all about. Um, so it, I think it's very much him trying to, I think when he drinks her blood, or excuse me, when she drinks his blood, he thinks that that'll be like the final seal, like, mm. oh, I, I completely have the Slayer now. Yeah. Because he does talk about wanting to change her. Yeah. Um, and I think it's either Willow or Giles who talks about how it's more for him it's more of like a seduction and yeah like, and Giles says the uh it's the similar it's a similar outcome like even with the seduction he turns them yeah um cool okay but it he he but it fucks up uh this is actually what helps Buffy kind of break yeah her his control yeah she, she looks up and says that's gross <laughs> that's that gross <laughs> Um, and, uh, they fight. It's a, it's an okay fight scene. It's not one of my favorites. Um, but I think, it, yeah, and I think, I think that might be because we don't, like, consider Dracula to be kind of a fisticuffs person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it seems that when you have a standard Buffy fight with Dracula, it, it comes across as a little strange. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter. Like, the fight's not yeah. what we're here for. She stakes him. He dusts. But uh, he, he, don't, he don't dust for good. Not for good. But it, the dust does break the compulsion. Yes, because Xander... Cut, they, the men well, arrive, yeah. and Xander's so pissed. Alright, so we almost skipped over the uh, when Riley is walking towards the room that, uh, that uh, Buffy and Dracula are in. He's like, hey... You stay away from my master. You want to get through him, you have to come through me. And just, Riley just clocks him right in the face. The only good thing that Riley does this episode. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, and as I told Harrison during the episode, we are two for two on Buffy's boyfriends punching Xander in the face. Uh, let's keep an eye out for any possible hypothetical future boyfriends for punching. I yeah. honestly can't remember, so um, <laughs> that's not any me sort of tipping my hat either way. Like, I literally <laughs> don't remember. Yeah, um, if, if Buffy does start dating another guy, uh, she dumps that trash Riley, uh, then let's uh, let's hope that maybe this guy can solidify himself by punching Xander right yeah. in the face. Um, yeah, Xander's so pissed. He does not, he is so tired of being the one who eats bugs. Gets magic uh, syphilis. Gets, yeah, I love it. It's like the, he describes it as the funny syphilis. <laughs> like, even he knows that um, that that he is the universe's butt monkey. Yes. <laughs> and That exact wording, yep. too. And I just love uh, Buffy's, okay, no more butt monkey. No more butt monkey. And I will say, I also think maybe this was the show, the little meta commentary on itself of saying, hey, maybe we should need to start taking... Xander as a character more seriously and do a little bit of, better, of a better job developing him. That being said, uh, I do think that Xander took some strides in season four, yeah. especially compared to high school Xander. Uh, but yeah, I think um, one thing we notice in these later seasons is uh, a more a more leaning towards maturation of Xander. Yeah, and. Most of my issues that I mean, are... he'll still have his stupid jokes. Right. And most of my issues that'll come from Xander are less about Xander and more about just... How he's used. How he's used and, like, and it's... And, and the writing of this period of television. Not even this show, but just this period of television and uh, how this sort of character is written. Um... Where they're still kind of toxic, but that was kind of a trait that was like admired in like the early two thousands. Yeah, you see it a lot with, and it's not just Xander. Like yeah. a lot of characters in this time period, and honestly, we still deal. With it. <laughs> yeah, we still deal with it sometimes. Um, but uh, they're leaving, and uh, Dracula. Uh, reassembles himself from the dust. Pretty cool. So he can't be staked. Um, I, I, uh, so I know that so many people hate this movie. I like it though. Uh, Hugh Jackman is Van Helsing. Okay. I've never seen it. I, yeah, I, I like it. I, I know that it's garbage, but I still <laughs> like it. I like that they're able to bring werewolves, uh, Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and make it kind of one big story um obviously van helsing's not an old man he's a buff he's mm. a buff uh hugh jackman and i think it's kate beckinsale in this as it well? is kate beckinsale okay i've not um, seen it but somehow i know that kate beckinsale's in that movie but yeah i love that uh th- there's like literally this scene where um where uh van helsing is like his first encounter with dracula it's the first time he sees him uh he like takes a stake, stabs it through his heart, and Dracula's like, ah, pulls up the stake, like, ah, and, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like, he holds up a cross, and, 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 uh, Dracula holds it in his hands, like, ah, and then it, like, bursts onto fire, and he throws it away, nice. so, I like, I like the idea that 
a normal, just, you know, stake to the heart won't kill Dracula, yeah. even though that is what happens in the actual novel. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like I like that idea, and uh, yeah, I keep in mind, it's not the best movie, but I kind of like the cheesiness of Van Helsing. I'll say it. Well, it also kind of harkens back to the idea, like, in most older vampire lore, a stake to the heart is not enough. Like, that's like step one. It's like stake to the heart, like, garlic in the mouth, like, cut the head off and, like, yeah. turn the head around. Or uh-huh. It's like it's like breaking the Macbeth curse. Levels are <laughs> complicated. Um, but, yeah, so he reforms and then Buffy's there and stakes him again. And she's like, I've seen your movies. <laughs> you always come back. And then he tries it again. And she's like, bitch, <laughs> I am standing right bitch, here. please. Um... So then we get this really lovely scene. Um, Buffy has uh, calls Buff or Giles calls Buffy over to his house. He has the and, intention of telling her that he's leaving for England. Yeah, and she's like, "Hey, I actually want to talk to you about something." And that's when she explains. Ever since she's, ever since they did the spell in Restless, she's been hunting. Um, going out at night way more often. Um, She's starting to question the role of the Slayer, and if it's her only... If the only thing that she can do is to kill, because that seemed to be what Sinea was telling her, just kill. Like, only kill. So she wants to learn more about the Slayer, learn more about the previous Slayers, um, learn about where the power comes from, what that means for her. Um... And she needs her watcher. She needs her dad. It's she needs her dad. And Giles is like, of course I love you. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Hats off to uh, to Anthony Stewart Head for just. um, I I love just the reaction when she says that she needs her watcher. Um, It's this. He's able to capture it perfectly. Yeah. Just oh my god, this is. This is what I need. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful moment between the two between the two characters, between the two actors, and it's also just exciting from a storytelling standpoint. Like, fuck yes, I want to delve more into this mythology mm-hmm. and learn more about it. And and also it it's a nice little indicator that Joss is going to play a much bigger role this season than in last yeah. season. And hey, we're Giles fans. We love so. Giles. <laughs> so then we end with this nice little scene. Yeah, so it's just a cute scene with the Summers women. Uh, it's not super important, but like I like it. The, Buffy goes home and she's like, "Hey, I'm going Go to, to the movies, movies with Riley. Riley." She walks into uh, she she walks into her room and she's like, and her fucking sister's in there, like going through her shit as and sisters do, as they do. And she's like, "What are you doing in here?" And Joyce is like, "Hey, if you're going to the movies, take your sister." And they're both like. What the fuck, mom? <laughs> they actually just say mom because it's a network TV <laughs> yes. show. But the the what the fuck was implied. Yeah, it's um, it's it's silly, but it's yeah. cute. Uh, so that's it. That's uh, that's, that's Buffy, Buffy versus, versus Dracula. Dracula. Uh, nothing major happened in this episode. No. <laughs> we got some themes going on though. Yeah, no, it's a I I like this. I think it's one of. It's not my favorite premiere 
of the show. Um, the season six premiere actually, I think, is the the strongest like season opener. Um, but we'll talk about that next year. When we get to it. And uh, but yeah, it's it's setting a foundation, which is mm-hmm. what a good premiere does. Um, and I just think uh, though it's not my favorite season, I like the season seven premiere. It's very good. Yeah. That's a really strong premiere too. Yeah. And it's also that that one is setting a foundation for the mm-hmm. season. Uh, whereas, like, se- the season two and three premieres are those more are about... Those fallout of yeah. the previous season. Yeah, yeah. Those are definitely, like, wrapping up the previous season and letting the next couple episodes have... I, and I do like that season five is not that, because <laughs> yeah. we don't have to deal with all that mess that is the initiative anymore. Leave it! Sorry, Riley. It's gone. Listen, what, what's Rafiki say, like... Doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. It's the best. Um, I just really like this episode. I, I hate Riley in it, but I, listen, that's just gonna be what happens. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna give this episode uh, four tasty insects out of five. I'm gonna give this episode a. Uh, three and a half rich people dirt. <laughs> rich people boxes full of dirt out of five. Um, yeah, I think this is a, uh, I guess it's still a little hard for me to get past the goofiness of it. Um, cause there's so much goofiness going on, but I do appreciate, um, the importance of Giles and the thing that, while there were a lot of crazy things going on in Restless, I like that the thing, the main thing that we're picking up on it right now in this episode is, hey, my encounter with that first Slayer with Sinea was crazy, and I'm not really sure what a Slayer is supposed to be. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I love that, and I love Buffy really being proactive in, like, um, Buffy's always been proactive, but it's... This is like she's really stepping it up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, choose Xander getting punched in the face. She is Xander getting punched <laughs> in the face. You're right. This was a big poor bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't hate it though. I don't regret. No, no regrets. No regrets. Um, all right. I anything else out of for for you? Not exactly. All right. Well, take us out. I will. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 2, Episode 1, Judgment. Yeah. Uh, also, I will just say, based on my recollection of it, a really confident premiere. I, you know, it's really funny because uh, I, rem- I was thinking back to when I first saw the Angel Season 2 premiere. And while Season 1 obviously was like, had its ups and downs... I remember seeing season two premiere. I'm like, I'm excited about this, mm. especially because we get the introduction of a really fun character that I just love. I um, I have a fun game that we're gonna play based around that character. Okay, that I'll I look forward to. Well, um, yep. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C O F F M A N. I also write a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I talk about a different horror film each week. Um, I've written a couple of reviews uh, since we've been on hiatus, 
But uh, my next review going up on Monday will be my final review of my Halloween theme month. Where I will be talking about truly <laughs> the, the worst of the franchise, Halloween Resurrection. So and we we just saw Halloween Kills. We will did. you be doing will you be doing a uh, a blog post about that? It'll be next year. Okay. I'm yeah, I I'm I'm doing limiting the Halloween movies to the October month. It's a theme month. That'll actually probably be pretty good because then you'll I'll see be Halloween ends. ends and there was so much stuff that seemed to be set up for yeah. a conclusion in Halloween ends. So, it actually it worked perfectly. We just, got to see uh, Halloween Kills together. Uh, we did <laughs> and it was Fine. I was very excited to see it with Jason. I and uh, before we actually got to watch uh, Halloween the original and Halloween twenty eighteen in beautiful four K. It was lovely. It was a great. I had a great time doing that and hanging out. I had issues with the film, which is disappointing with the film in theaters. But yeah. that being said, I honestly can't remember the last time I went to the theaters for a slasher movie. It may have been Halloween 2018, <laughs> yeah. but boy, that audience was fantastic. It was, they, yeah, <laughs> people were into it, which was fun. Um, so yeah, but yeah, next year will be the uh, the Rob Zombie movies, and then the uh, uh, the the, uh, the the new trilogy. Uh, also, BTS. Um, the exterior for the Myers house in the Rob Zombie movies was filmed in Covington, Georgia. Oh. I drove past it. Oh, yeah. You told me that. Yeah. I, I was I like, show you the, I'll show you the pictures when we're done recording. I was like, this trivia sounds familiar. It's because it is. It's for the fans. <laughs> so, the short yeah. is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Halloween Resurrection. Uh, really, really bad movie. Um <laughs> I will say, I just did my review for 20 Years Later, which is a great movie. And um, uh, that was, as much as I had, I was disappointed in Halloween Kills, revisiting H2O, I was like, oh yeah, this is is good. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357, or if you're looking for me on Twitter, just plain old yamij. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at boozeandbuffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The ant. Excuse me. <laughs> the ant is spelled out. A and D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. I particularly like listening to this podcast on Spotify. And hey, the more you rate us, the hot, the more people get to listen to our lovely voices. Mm-hmm. And the more you rate us, the hotter you are. Yeah. Like, that's just science. Yes. As a scientist, I agree. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that felt bad to say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Cure Childhood Cancer. Founded in 1975, Cure is dedicated to conquering childhood cancer through funding targeted research while supporting patients and their families. Research is the key to unlocking breakthroughs that will save the lives of children diagnosed with cancer. In the past 10 years, Cure has invested $35 million in innovative research at leading pediatric cancer research institutions across the nation. Visit www.curechildhoodcancer.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And peg spike. (laughs) Be gay.
Drusilla, we know you listen. <laughs>